All right. Well, it's that special time of year, and um, as I hear the whining, where kids are extra tired, and all of that fun stuff goes on, and um, I remember those days as a youngster, and then I remember those days as a parent with my kids as they were running around, and um, all good days. Now they're different days as we're a different stage of life, but it's all still good. I want to read some scripture, and Connor read one passage, and I want to read from Matthew as well. And um, it's Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through chapter 2, verse 12. And so it says this. It says, The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, And you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. When Joseph woke up, He did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed in all of Jerusalem with him. And just to pause there, Herod was a petty king. He was very concerned and very jealous of his authority, very concerned and jealous of his power. He had worked real hard to accumulate influence, to accumulate power. He had worked real hard to nurture relationships in Rome. And so as these guys show up at his doorstep. They blindside him with that question. Where is the Messiah? Where is the one who was born king of the Jews? He was not expecting this at all. And they were upset because, and Herod was upset, and then everyone around him was upset because they knew that if he's upset, someone's going to get hurt. There's going to be pain that's going to be experienced. So what did Herod do? He assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel." Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, report back to me, so I too can go and worship him, which is not his intention at all. 
After hearing the king, they went on their way, and, and there it was. The star they had seen at its rising, it led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. As we read these verses, I don't know if you ever asked the question, where did the tradition of presents come from? I don't know. But part of what I perceive and part of what I understand is that some of the tradition of giving presents at Christmas kind of started with the fact that the wise men showed up. But this is what many people don't always put together. The wise men didn't show up the night Jesus was born. The wise men showed up probably like two years later. But then they showed up and they brought these gifts. And later on, you're gonna, you're gonna, you would read about how Herod would go through the area and many children are executed. Why? Because the wise men didn't go back to Herod. They didn't tell Herod where the baby was, but he killed kids two and a half, year, two and a half years old and younger. And he did this because he wanted to catch all the margin and get all the boys because he didn't want to threat to his reign. But what took place is that God sent to Mary and Joseph and to Jesus these amazing gifts. And these were gifts that they needed, by the way, because when, when the wise men left, God sent an angel to have a conversation with Joseph. He said, listen, get up. Take your child, or take, take Jesus, take Mary, and flee to Egypt. And the resources that these wise men gave them provided for them and enabled them to flee to get to Egypt and to live there for a period of time until they eventually came back and moved back to Nazareth. And God took care of them, and God provided for them. But gifts. I love the idea of gifts. Now, we understand the joy of gifts. Now, I don't know how you guys do Christmas, but for me, when I was a kid growing up, we didn't go out and get a tree. We didn't do any of that stuff. We would go out to the woods. We would chop down a tree. We would bring it home. We would literally bring it down to the house on Christmas Eve day. And so we would find those trees because my brothers would hunted more than I did. They'd go hunting. They'd find trees. Often we were topping trees, and often we had the ugliest tree you ever saw. But we, we had that tree. We, it was freshly cut from the woods across from my house. We would climb the mountain and pull something down. And, and Christmas, would, we would do all this prep stuff. And, and we would put a ornament on the tree we would put a piece of tinsel on the tree and what many of you maybe can appreciate and my folks didn't go Christmas shopping until like one or two days before Christmas okay so I wasn't one of those kids who could kind of find where mom and dad were hiding their secret Christmas stash you know I understand that some here might have done that I have never done that I one I didn't want to spoil Christmas morning because I didn't want to wake up in the morning and and find out oh I didn't get what I wanted or what I thought was going to be mine went to my brother or my sister. You know, so I never did that. I didn't want to, be, I didn't, I didn't want to spoil the surprise. But here's what's cool. Christmas morning would show up the next day and it was like in all this glory. We'd go to bed. It was a bare tree, 
just a couple random ornaments hung on the tree, and you would come down in the morning, the lights are on, tinsel's on, the balls are on, the tree's lit up, it's glorious, and on top of that, underneath the tree, is a pile of presents. It's, it, was, it, was, it was, as a young kid growing up, it was a glorious morning. And you always knew that there was going to be some great presence for you under the tree. I, it was fun. It was always fun. Now, here's one of the things that I discovered as a parent in all this start, start to happen. And I started getting gifts for my kids. I understood a little bit as I got gifts for my siblings, but I really started to understand it more for my kids because my kids were looking forward to Christmas. And I was able to get them things that they couldn't normally get. And so they would put these things on their list. I'd really like this. And they would think they're shooting for the moon. And you'd look at that and you'd say, Joe and I would look at that. Some of these things and say, well, how can we figure out how to get that? We wanted to get them this, this cool stuff that they really wanted. And, and a joy and a hope was to be able to get some really fun things that they really wanted, that they didn't expect. They were really hoping but didn't know they would get it. And really to make that morning fun and really get some great stuff. And then as things changed, sometimes it became a little more practical, but still you got your kids stuff and you did things for other people in your life that they really needed, but they couldn't always do for themselves. And that's part, for me, part of the fun of Christmas, doing these wonderful things and gracious things and kind things and, and caring for others and showing and lavishing on them love and doing great things as you give gifts. And that's part of what God was doing. And here's what's really cool. I think often peop- oftentimes people look at the gifts that the wise men gave. And that's probably where some of that tradition came from. But we overlook the reality that God was giving us an amazing gift in Jesus. And God was giving us a gift that was way better, more precious, and more valuable, and more amazing than anything the wise men gave. Now, here's what's interesting. So later on, Jesus is preaching and Jesus is teaching. And he's, he's, he's having this conversation in what is called the Sermon on the Mount. And he, he walks through the Beatitudes and he's talking to the crowd. And he makes this statement in Matthew 11, or Matthew, in Matthew, and we'll pull up that verse if you guys can. Go to the next, Matthew 7, verse 11. I, I knew it was verse 11, but I didn't have the right chapter. Okay, but he makes this statement in in Matthew 7, verse 11. He says, If you then, who are evil, and he's talking to the crowd, if you then are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And he's having this conversation, and this is in the context of prayer. And and Jesus is talking to him, and he says, Well, you guys, you should pray. You should talk to God. You should pray. And you should, as you have needs, as you have concerns, and you have things going on in your life, you should pray, and you should ask God, because God loves you, and he wants to take care of you, and he wants to do good things for you. But they don't always think about some of the broader strokes of what God has been doing. But he makes this statement. And sometimes people in this conversation go, why does sometimes God always have to throw that really hard stuff in? Why does God have to throw in that stuff? Well, even though you guys, when you're evil, know how to give good gifts, why does Jesus have to kind of throw that little bit in there, like reminding them that they are evil, but then still telling them that God knows how to do good things and knows how to give good gifts? Because it's the core of the story of Jesus' ministry and because it's at the core of the story of what Jesus has come. Even as we have been singing, 
He will, he will come. He will be our Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. He's going to redeem us and, and rescue us. And that whole conversation, we want to make sure that we don't lose sight of the reality of why he has come. And, I, and, and you come back to that next verse that I have there. That's at Romans 3.23. And we come to that, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, and I look at that, and you kind of come back, and again, God has this conversation. God continues to communicate these things, and we look at the Christmas story and say, why, why do we see these little pieces of sin and, and people's flaws wrapped up in the Christmas story? And it's wrapped up in the Christmas story because Jesus came to forgive us of sin. And when Jesus was born, God was providing for us something that we absolutely could not ever provide for ourselves. I remember as a kid, I, was asked, I asked for this one gift. This, this, this is one of those gifts that just stands out in my mind. It was one of those um, gifts where the, it was like it had a battery in it and you could, you, you could shoot things. It was all self-contained and... And I, that was like the one thing I wanted, and it was way beyond my ability to get. Do you know what I'm? Do you know the one? You, can, you guys know the one I'm talking about. You know, you could you could go ball. You could do like the little machine gun thing, or you could do the single shot thing. You know, but you had the the ducks that would go across the back. You had this thing circling. You could knock the things over and all that kind of stuff. It was a sad day when one of my siblings put something on the top of it and cracked the top and then all of a sudden periodically the BBs would shoot out the top and you'd lose them and then you're stuck with something that doesn't shoot anything anymore. But this was one of those presents that I just really wanted. Again, I kind of look back over my childhood. It's like, like one of those big presents that stands out like I got it. Yes, I got it. You know, when you, you, you get out there and you set it up and you play with it all day and, and all that kind of stuff. God gives us stuff that's amazing, and it's beyond our scope, beyond our ability. And one of those amazing things that's beyond our scope and beyond our ability is our ability to find forgiveness. Because we can't do it ourselves. We can't do it ourselves. And I use this verse all the time. I go back to this all the time. It's absolutely probably my favorite verse in Scripture. I go to it all the time. As I, as I pulled it up again, I said, Andrew, you should look for a different verse that says the same thing, but I just love this verse. <laughs> and so I keep on going back to it again and again and again. It's, and it's what? He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And it's just amazing to me what Jesus has done and what God has done in giving us Jesus. Because God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so who believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. And I think of Christmas, and I think of the joy of what God has done for us in Christmas, and it reminds me again and again and again, not just the great story of what happened on Christmas morning 2,000 years ago or Christmas evening when Jesus was born, but it reminds me again and again and again of how much God loves me and the fact that God wants to be generous and rich and good. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, or a week ago, when we referenced Ephesians 1. And as you looked at Ephesians 1, it says, He lavishes on us the riches from glory 
And I love that word. I love the picture of that word. I think of something you're pouring in and you fill it up. But, but you're not content. I'm, a, I'm, no, I'm notoriously bad at this. When I want a full glass, you know how people say, get me a full glass, and they fill the glass up and there's like this much left at the top? So I, I do this. When we go like to, to the fast food place, and I ask for something, and I and I would drive my wife nuts doing this. You know, I would like a large Coke, please. And they give me the large Coke cup with a medium Coke amount, and and I come back and I say, "Can you please fill this up? Because I, you know, dude, I'm paying the full. I'm paying for the full full one. So can you give me the full one, not the partially full one?" You know, and so I, I, I like it. I like it full. And, and so when I when I when I go to something and I fill up my cup, I don't fill up my cup. And so I have like an inch. I fill up my cup so that like this much is like so like it's it's right up to the rim, okay. And when I think of how God lavishes His goodness to us, I think of the fact that He didn't even fill it up to the rim. He kind of poured it in, and as He keeps on pouring, it's just pouring out all over the sides. And there's just so much more than what we can hold and so much more than what we can contain. And yet, it's still being poured in. You're kind of like, okay, keep on pouring, get me a straw, and I'm going to kind of work on this a little bit while you keep on pouring, and I'm going to suck on this and keep on, keep on filling, you know. And, and, but it keeps on pouring all over because he's lavished. He's poured out on us more and more and more than we can just take on our own. And this is how much God loves us. And this is the kind of giving that God wants to do with us. And that's what he did with us, with Jesus. He gave us an amazing Savior who did for us and provided for us what we absolutely never could provide on our own, forgiveness of sin. And that's what's so amazing about Christmas. And God has been saying, you know, when we, we, that one song we sang, he says, you know, but 400 silent years, and, and we, we read the other scriptures and sang the other songs that talked about what God had been doing and talking. God had been telling them the Messiah is coming. Just as when New Year's Day hits, all of us know that December 25th, 2023 is coming. So when, when on, to, on Monday morning, all of us know December 25th, 2023 is coming. We know it's coming. We know there's another Christmas coming. And, and, and people throughout history knew that the Messiah was going to come. And finally, he's here. And finally, the fulfillment of the promise of God to send the promised one has arrived. The promise of life, the promise of forgiveness. And that's why he went to Calvary. That's why Easter is so important. But God knows how to give gifts that are amazing. And the most amazing gift is the gift of forgiveness, the gift of light. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So, here's part of the challenge for us. Part of the challenge for us is to let the light of that reality shine in us and through us. We sing at times this little light of mine and and that kind of stuff, but we also want to tonight just kind of light a candle and and then sing some songs. And I said, Greg, we need to make this longer. And so I I shifted the time. He goes, really that long? You think we can hold hold it that long? We'll, 
we, and I'm trusting no one's going to burn anything down or light anyone's clothes on fire or set anyone's hair on fire. So please try not to do that. But it's just kind of fun to enjoy the, the light of the candle and to sing. But the wonderful thing is God has given that light of Jesus to us to shine. And, and part of the, I think, the example of holding a, this is to remind us that we get to shine the light of Jesus. And all around us is a world that needs to hear that light. And today, many people are going to celebrate Christmas. Between tonight and tomorrow, many people are going to celebrate the birth of Jesus. But they're celebrating that not fully understanding and not fully embracing the reality of what Jesus has done. That God has given us this amazing gift in Jesus who will deal with our sin so that we can be reconciled to God forever. Because we needed that forgiveness and we needed our sin addressed. And God knows how to give amazing gifts. And that gift is in Jesus. Let's have a word of prayer and then I'll ask Connor to help me light the candles. If anyone forgot a candle, came in without a candle, Joan's going to kind of wave at Joan back there. She'll get you a candle. But let's have a word of prayer and the music team will come back up and we'll do that. Father, thank you so very much for the amazingness of what you have done for us in Jesus. Father, thank you so very much for the amazing gift of Jesus. Father, a gift that we absolutely could not provide for ourselves, beyond our ability, beyond our scope. And yet, because you loved us like crazy, you gave us Jesus. Jesus, thank you for your richness, your kindness, your goodness to us. Father, thank you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.